Hello, everybody. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Sample Hour. Sorry about the slight hiatus, guys. Uh, I've actually been quite busy in my unemployment. Uh, I just spent 10 days visiting with my family, grandparents, mom, brothers, stepmom, and my brother, and uh, my younger brother. And uh, yeah, guys, it's been a really good time family-wise, so I appreciate uh, the love and support and people demanding me post more episodes. That's a it's a cool feeling to have. Um, before we get into this episode, uh, I just want to let you guys know I got a bunch of episodes coming out, um, stuff to look forward to. So keep posted. I'll uh, from now on be trying to post these episodes every Tuesday and maybe a bonus episode on Fridays um, so I can get uh, some content out because people have been waiting for a while for me to post the episodes I did with them. Uh, but before we get started, it was brought to my attention that by my good friend Joel. I said some pretty ridiculous stuff the other day, uh, one of which was uh, I said uh, ducks lay two eggs a day. I don't know why I thought he told me his ducks laid two eggs a day, but he was saying he gets two duck eggs a day because he has two ducks. So I said it in the podcast of Greg, and Greg kind of let it slip, uh, probably because he thought it was funny. I don't know. But uh, it was pretty funny. So yeah, so... For anybody that I've said that to, I'm sorry I say some stupid things sometimes because I, I confidently say things, so you might have believed me, but I'm not always a credible source of information, guys. I'm a human just like everybody else who listens. Uh, also, uh, big shout out to Greg Greg and Senior Farm Manager Nate Burns. Uh, they put together an awesome intro for me, and this is actually just kind of like the, the rough draft he sent me, so I'm going to put that in today guys so i got some new theme music i've been waiting for a while i had theme music back when it was uh, my brother and i doing these shows a few years ago and since the show changed um i got rid of it because it wasn't just wasn't me and my brother anymore and it was it was kind of a goofier intro but this one's pretty awesome i'm really happy with it and i want to say thanks again to uh senior farm manager nate and my good friend and uh, brother from another greg burns um so i hope you guys enjoy this show and I hope you enjoy this uh, intro music. All right, guys, thanks a lot, and look forward to bringing you guys some more consistent episodes. Uh, um, anyways, I'll talk to you guys soon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Sample Hour, here live. Even though when you listen to this, we're not going to be live, but this isn't a Skype podcast. We are at Hand Hewn Farm. Mm-hmm. I'm here with Andy, and Doug's, Doug does exist. Hashtag Doug does exist. That's right. Look it up. What is the story behind hashtag Doug does exist, by the way? I think that was a joke. With, yeah, Doug uh, doesn't have a Facebook account, and <laughs> so when Hand Hewn Farm is at an event, uh, and Andy is mentioned, they have they have no way of linking to me, and yeah. so hashtag Doug does exist has yeah. become the well now people can standard operating so procedure. They know that you're real. Here I am. You're now going to be on the internet. How does that make you live. feel? Live on the internet. Um, live on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 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 dubious. Yeah. Dubious. <laughs> Anyways, I'm having a good time with you guys. I'm uh glad you guys invited me out. 
I kind of invited myself out, but you uh, were open to my invitation. Yeah, we pushed we're a little glad bit. to have you, Drew. Well, it wasn't. We had planned it at uh, Hogtoberfest, and thankfully I lost my job so I could be here today and not have to worry about going to work tomorrow. Yeah. Would have been Make, a better drive if you came earlier. It would have been, yeah. I had a. Uh, I had a. Uh, I caught some rush hour, and I had an appointment that changed on me. So I got to come here and check out your farm in the dark. So that was yeah. pretty cool. But we are in your um, your new meat processing room, and it's pretty fucking awesome, man. Yeah. You guys got a wooden walk-in cooler that you bought for $150, $125. Yeah. It's pretty fucking dope. Like, it's, it's pretty classy. Yeah, we don't have operating uh, capital, so we Craigslist everything. And a lot of auctions. Yeah, a lot of auctions. So that's the way to do it, though. That is the only way we can do it. So that, that cooler set uh, stacked in panel form in the bottom of a barn for over a year before we had the time and money to demolish a few tons of concrete and soil and pay to have concrete poured and have a place to put it in the first place. So now it's now it's up. We're pretty excited about putting it to use. So what made both of you guys decide, number one, oh yeah, I guess individually, because you guys, this, how long have you guys both lived here on the compound? Year and a half. Year and a half. Almost, almost yeah. two years. Yeah, I got here last, uh, I somehow I was the first first one here, uh, I think that was April or May of 2015, yeah. So, so what, um, well, what made you guys want to be farmers? Uh, yeah, we, well, from my wife and I, we, we started on a little homestead just, uh, because we were concerned about our own food. And, uh, if you want quality food, most of the time you have to produce it yourself or find people that are producing it. And so what, what year was this when you guys started homesteading? 2010, something like that. I think we moved out to our other place, um, you know, and just started really small scale. Like we were on an acre and had uh, some rabbits and chickens and a big garden. And then Doug and his wife were, I don't know, five miles away. How did you guys? How did you guys meet? You and Doug. Yeah, so we knew of each other in college. We actually went to the same college. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, and our wives both went there for at least a time. Where did you guys go to college at? Mount Vernon Nazarene. Nice. University. At the time, it was college. Uh, but yeah, then we uh, we actually kind of linked up through uh, mutual sort of acquaintances, friends um, in the Mount Vernon area. Yeah. And then um, Katie and I at the time were still in town in Mount Vernon, and we wanted to kind of get out of town more. And Doug and Molly were already out of town, so we started going over to their place and and they uh, dealt with it for a while, and then we finally <laughs> moved out closer to where they were, and started doing a lot of, a lot of things together, uh, between our two homesteads. That's pretty cool. So what, what about so what about you? So what so you guys? It was food for both you guys. You both originally just were like, I want to. The way for me to really know that I have quality food is if I'm producing it. No, for for Molly and I, it was a little different. We were living in Central America. And there was a bizarre disparity between the haves and the have-nots. And most of the land surrounding the have-nots was owned by 
multinational corporations. So yeah. they had no access to their own fertile soil. And um, I wanted I wanted somehow to participate in the reclamation of sustainability on a, on the smallest scale imaginable, and that started in your backyard. Yeah. So, well, we what, so what brought you guys? So I guess rewind a little bit. What brought you guys to Central America? Um, my wife was running an orphanage for children with HIV. Oh wow! And she uh, had that contract already established when we decided to get married. So I was along for the ride, and then. I went down there, and um, thanks to some um, Ohio State University ag students that were visiting, um, that got me turned on to composting and garden seeds um, and kind of agriculture on a, on a very small scale. Yeah. Um, so I thought, I mean, initially I had nothing to do with food, food or producing food for myself. It was more how do we set an example to the community, to the village that we're in, that they can do this also if they just spend the time and energy investing in the land. So that's how it began. And then, and then that, that, turned, that quickly turned into a dream for how to be in the world. And um, we ended up in the Dominican Republic where I thought we were going to spend the rest of our lives. And then my wife had a baby there. So we came home to visit friends and family with our one-year-old. And uh, it happened to be in 2008 when the economy was collapsing. So we got a small farmstead in Knox County on four acres for $40,000. That's an awesome deal. Yeah, it was an awesome deal. It was nothing <laughs> but sweat equity. It took me five years to get the place to where we were proud to live in it. So you were, you were because you were a carpenter by trade at this nope. point or no? No, not even close. I, I had to learn that along the way, yeah. So when I moved out there, I was unemployed. Somehow, the um, the bank gave us a loan, despite the fact that I was making like twelve dollars an hour at the time, working at a catering company in Columbus. Um, and uh, I got a job uh, from there, um, working with a construction company, where I learned the trades that I learned that uh, I have since put into use here at Handy. That's pretty awesome. So what? Um so you get back and you start homesteading, you get this, and then you guys find out through acquaintances that they're they're doing the homesteading, and then you guys kind of seek out Doug and his spouse, and then yeah, then you get you got your own property and started homesteading, or you just started yeah. Coming? At the time when we were in town, we were already kind of looking for uh, a place to find, you know, outside of town. We wanted to get out of that. Um, we started visiting Doug and Molly a lot more often, and. Uh, found a place not very far from them. Uh, you know, it was great. It had an old spring house, old outhouse, all the cool old stuff that we appreciate. And, yeah, we started, you know, planting fruit trees, doing gardening. Um, Doug got pigs at his place. We didn't really have enough land for pigs, so he got some pigs. And um, and that's kind of where this butcher shop sort of that's where it all began. Because you yeah. had pigs and you fell in love? No, we had pigs and didn't have a way to process them, and I didn't have, own a livestock trailer. So Andy convinced me to process them on farm, <laughs> and we had no idea how to do that. So we knew it was going to be a collaborative effort, and it was going to involve some amount of research, yeah, we've <laughs> and done diligence, research. and ambition, and imagination. Yeah. So, so what year was it when you got the pigs? So That would have been 2010. So mm-hmm. 2010, okay, so yeah. this was six years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
And it was what was it the first year? Four, three or four? The first year, uh, I had three or four pigs. Um, every year, it was just for us and our friends and family. Um, but it was on a small enough scale that we could process them ourselves. And, and the learning curve uh, from year to year was a tight one. Um, but it was a manageable one. Um, it was fun, too, because every, you know, I remember coming over to your house and, like, we would look at different videos of people butchering pigs. And, uh, yeah, 2010, YouTube wasn't as, and Vimeo aren't what they are today. That's right, yeah. yeah. And, and our, our kind of mentor, uh, Brandon Sheard of Farmstead Meatsmith, he was just releasing his very first videos um, the month that we were slaughtering and butchering our very first pig. So there wasn't much of a template for what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it at the time. Yeah, we were like, we got we to gotta watch what this guy's doing because he seemed to be nailing it on a whole bunch of levels. Yeah, if you want to yeah. watch how to do it wrong, just look up on YouTube how to butcher a pig. <laughs> You'll find plenty of wrong examples. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, so, I mean, so... Uh, how long? Okay, so right when you started butchering these pigs, this guy started releasing videos or what? Yeah, you, it was absolutely. weird. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think maybe the first time we butchered, we hadn't seen them because we had a chef come out. We did, but I, if I'm not mistaken, with the chef that came out, uh, <laughs> I had already, I had agreed I was going to raise a pig for him in exchange for him to come out to the farm and show us and teach us how to butcher. And that arrangement was already made when Andy came to me weeks right before the the the, the date and said, uh, "I found this this guy online that we should know about." If, if I remember correctly, we knew about Farmstead Meatsmith right before this guy came out, <laughs> and and that, maybe not enough time to digest. Not enough time to back out of. Did the he, I mean, did he at least like fulfill his end of the bargain? Did he do a good job or? He uh, got, not yeah, as we know it now. He cut the pig up, you know, and the pig went in a freezer. But we have since learned um, <laughs> uh, the art and the skill and the culture and the tradition involved um, among a whole bunch of different demographics and people groups and countries, and um, all uh, many of which Brandon Sheard incorporates anyway. But um, we now gravitate to um, a lot of traditions uh, yeah. on how on how to break down the pig. Um, and this guy that we had out to the farm, he just wanted to cut it up to put it away. You know, it was very um, pragmatic. Yeah, we watched video because I took video at the time because, you know, we were trying to learn. Yeah. Watching those videos now, it's like, what in the world was happening? He probably, this? but I mean, he probably did the best he knew. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, he, it's hard for anyone, or including Andy and I, to say that he did it wrong. Yeah. Um, we would never do it that way, and that's yeah. okay. But I mean, I remember when we were at Greg's. I mean, the amount of waste we had—you could fill in a, you know, twelve ounce yeah. glass. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Usually, we don't have very much. I mean, we can get it down to. I remember I was trying to cut much. with you guys, and I got a little too drunk, and you had to take the knife away from me. You're like, <laughs> well, part of that. Try to do two inches, and I was like, yeah, I think that's it. and you, all right, true. Let's let uh, just let us yeah. get it. Hand over yeah, part knife, of, part of that zero waste thing or, or minimal waste thing. Um, is dictated by the the tradition or the history that it comes from, right? Yeah. So, depending on your your country of origin, if it's Germany or Italy or or Spain or England, um, 
every single one of them have a specific use for that off cut. Uh, so it really depends on what, what your yeah, when I went playbook to, is. When I went to England, it was really culture shock because I, I wasn't a big fan of pork. And I think I was like 18. And I had no idea what black gravy was. And mm, they ate yeah. it with like every fucking meal. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what the hell is it? Oh, it's just fried pig's blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No big and it deal. wasn't bad. I mean, it tasted yeah. fine, but it was just like, that was such a weird. Mm-hmm. Well, that, yeah. And that all has roots. I mean, with a lot of the stuff we do, it all has roots in a time when if you had a pig, I mean, you were. You're stretching it. You, out. Had, wealth, you had wealth. You know, and you yeah. had to, you had to stretch so Your family that. was going to fucking eat. Yeah. They had to eat. <laughs> and if, if that pig had blood that you could eat, then you would eat it, especially if you had kids and, you know, um, it was all born out of, um, you know, just feeding your family because you didn't have a grocery store to go to. No, like you had no. to have, and that a pig is great because it provides so much, um, with little to no waste. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh, remember, I don't, I don't quite remember because, uh, once it was, it was pretty heavy at Greg's, um, because, like, I'd spent a lot of time with those pigs, like, coming up because I was getting half a pig. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, it's important for me to know these pigs if I'm going to pay for half a pig. Right. Mm-hmm. And, man, it was just like, I remember him and I were in there once. He's like, ah, oh, that guy's my buddy. He always mm-hmm. comes up to me. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, that's the pig that came right up to him. And mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, I guess I got to do it. Yeah. And right. then it was like, uh, and everything went well. But, man, it was heavy. But it, it kind of hit on the, I mean, you and I were talking about it. Like, yeah, it's important. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's an intimate thing. This isn't just like, you know, you go to like what was Facebook filled with all the brainiacs that it has. Um, no, I, I can't even say that because that's just mean. But like people are so far removed from their food, and that like people were like, oh, you couldn't go to Whole Foods. It's like, I mean, number one, you even know how they kill those animals. Yeah, right. I mean, do you even? I mean, know? you saw the whole process. I saw the whole process. I saw. I participated. I helped get the... I mean, I wanted to skin the ear. Yeah. And I remember you're like, yeah, man, see that little thing? Turn it over. It's good for getting yeah, in the, the ear. Yeah, the small side of the scraper. Yeah, yeah and uh, and that was fun, man. I mean, I wanted to get in there and help. I mean, if we're at a pig butchering event... I yeah, mean, we, we should... appreciate it when people step in because a lot of times, you know, because people don't see it, they don't, they don't know how to interact. Can you uh, repeat that real quick? Sorry about that. You guys well, appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate it when people yeah. get in there and... And want to participate. I mean, most people, because they've never seen it, they're kind of... They're in shock. They're shocked by it yeah. a little bit because they are disconnected. Well, with pigs, too, man. I mean, they're smart animals. I mean, you could... I mean, they're not... That's, that's the weird thing. Like, people think we should only eat dumb animals. And it is kind of like a conscious thing. It goes back to, you know, um, the omnivore's dilemma. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you're going to say, I'm going to eat meat, then just know, know that that animal is smart. Know that yeah. that animal... I mean... You can give it a belly rub like a dog, yeah, and, and just know that. I mean, it's going to nibble on your foot if you're not petting it, right? Then it wants you to interact with it. So, you know, so yeah, I mean, you know, you have to have that respect for the animal, and I think, uh, and I think, I think everybody there did know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, there's, no, there's no question yeah. about that. So. And so I think that that taking the next step to well, let's butcher it. I mean, it's easy to do a chicken. I mean, birds are annoying. Yeah, they're kind of like dinosaurs they're not mm-hmm. that smart they're, le- they're definitely less human like yeah but pigs are very much, i mean we use pig valves in our hearts yeah i mean it's 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 they're not that far removed from mm-hmm. us in in that sense so um but yeah i i think uh i mean i think it was just i think only me and rob kaiser really jumped in 
Uh, yeah. To my recollection, yeah. that, that doesn't yeah. far yeah. off. Yeah. There's like yeah. Greg and you guys and then me and Rob who jumped in. Yeah. The what what Greg does is important because yeah. Greg does an excellent job raising the animal in the first place. So oh, he yeah. he has good husbandry practices and that that is going to not just create a good product, that's going to create um hopefully part of a change towards what farming should look like or could look like. Absolutely. So that the people that, that patronize him or support him or or talk about him and promote him, um, it's not just because he has a good product. It's because of how he does it. Yeah. The way that he speaks ethical. of it. Yeah. it. It is ethical. It matters to him, and, and consequently it matters to those that choose to support it uh, and patronize it. Um, and, got, and that that Hogtoberfest, you know, while it's a, a kind of a, a wink or a nod to, you know, the the lumber squatch community, uh, <laughs> it's still it's still Greg's way of saying I want to complete the circle of what I started. Oh yeah, uh, in in the same consistent way. Um, I've raised these pigs uh, here on the farm. I love the way that I've done it. I love. I'm proud of the product that I have raised. And I and I want to be able to bring it full circle with a slaughter and the and the butcher in a ritual uh, in, a, in in a ritual form with the community around it. Um, so we we totally applaud that. We think that that yeah. if 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 nothing else, uh, that that public display um, promotes good practices and good community in ways that that have almost have no choice but to create change in the, in agriculture agriculture absolutely so now because you guys i mean you guys do butchering workshops you guys you you guys are i mean that that's part of that's part of hand human farm i mean you get that is your guys's skill set and go-to in a lot of ways now is it i'm i'm guessing before you guys go do you guys go out to a farm and see how it's raised or do you i'm guessing do you guys have like a yeah we um we do a consult with the farmers yeah. usually before, I mean, if, if at all possible, we try to go out and, you know, and we usually, I mean, I don't know that we've had any trouble with how anyone's I think, been raising I think people them. that are looking to, to work with you guys, thankfully, are going to be raising them in, yeah, in the no, way that we're Yeah, there's no doubt about yeah. that because the big yeah. guy has, has no need for us. No, yeah. I, I answered my own question because I started thinking about it. Like, I mean, because I, I feel like there's there'd be... I was like, you know, you'd want to probably hand select who you work with, and it's like, no, right. man. If anybody actually is aware of you guys, they're probably already doing the same, yeah, yeah, the same thing. So that was a silly. I mean, that's question. been our experience so far. <laughs> yeah, we had a neat thing that we're going to be doing over New Year's, New Year's Eve, and New Year's Day, um, with a friend, longtime friend, I think, of Doug's, who had never raised pigs before, so he bought feeder pigs off of us. And so Doug kind of worked with them and talked to, you know, about how much, you know, feed they're going to need. And so it's so kind of fun. These guys started right. raising animals and now you're going to go help them and teach them. It's, it's our yeah. whole, it's our whole hog package where you buy, <laughs> you buy the feeder pigs and six months later we show up to your, your home or farmstead to butcher them with you. Um, and yeah, the, Paperwork and the numbers I provide are just to give you a template so that you know what to expect as far as your cost. Yeah. If you sell the animal or half the animal or whatever it might be, one of the animals um, to friends or family, you know what is being recouped. Um, and then the way we do our our butcher scale, um, 
the concept there is you the farmer, you guys the farmer. real quick yeah you guys aren't butchers though that is no. correct no we're no, we're no. we're educating we're educating yeah. the entire way i just figured right. before before we said it, the word butcher we should make sure that's perfectly clear yeah right you guys i are have not my degree butchers. in education yeah. yeah that's right yeah so, yeah, yeah no we educators. we teach people yeah. how to how to provide for themselves you teach them. You teach them old school skills. You teach them right. the old way skills of, you know, charcuterie and stuff. I mean, like, I uh, Greg's got that book um, for how to cure meats. That that one. Oh, the Greg, River Cottage. James book, James yeah, mm-hmm. and I um I picked it up on Kindle, which actually it's actually I'll show you guys how it is on Kindle. It's the new Kindle format. Um, but I, I you know it, it's what I like about that book is like you know the first few chapters go into. Why are we afraid of you know curing meat? Yeah, right. That's a whole. And it's um and that's something else you guys you know you guys talk. I mean you guys do charcuterie. Um, you guys do a lot of cool. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to make sure that we <clears throat> we didn't have any. No, you know. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> there, the whole education. <laughs> we need package. to make it very clear right. for, yes, for, all, not for anyone butchers. for anyone listening. We cannot charge anyone to butcher anything ever. Um, but you will go to a farm, however, and you can legally go to a farm, teach you how to how to how to take the pig's life, what to do after you've taken the pig's life, what now, what do you do from there, and 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 just right. go down. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and for some people, that looks as simple as how do I put this how do I put this pig in the freezer, <laughs> grind know? it all. Yeah. Some people want yeah exactly just grind yeah. the whole thing. I got a, I got a lot of ground meat on my half a pig, but also. Because I got a half a pig, I had to actually send it to a butcher, and I had options. I was like, "Well, if I don't want any sausage, I'd rather just make my own." So just right. give me. I have like forty pounds of ground yeah. pork. I mean, there are cultures that do grind yeah. a lot. I mean, yeah. the Germans grind and stuff sausages like like crazy, you know. But that's, you know, that's yeah. Andy and I are a little biased. We presuppose <laughs> that everyone else is like us. That if you're gonna go and try to raise pigs on your own. But if you're raising pigs, scale. it's totally different. Like, I'm a consumer. Exactly. Like, I didn't yeah. raise exactly pigs. right. So I'm doing the best I can yes. to have yeah. my own. Yes. Well, you have yes. to start. I mean, yeah. you have to go yeah. from but, something. But I do think, like, you know, and I, and I know that's why Greg appreciates you guys because he's, he's in the same boat as you. No, I want the... I want, I want different forms of this food. Yeah. Like, I mean, we had some of that cured bacon that he had from right. February the mm-hmm. next day. Oh yeah, some pancetta. pancetta yeah, the probably. pancetta. Yeah, yeah, that was yep. that was so good. Of course yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and anyone that's ever had pancetta or guanciale or prosciutto, yeah, or lanzino or any number of other cured cuts of pork, yeah, they know there's a value there. Yeah, and if they go to the trouble of raising pigs on their own on a small scale, then why would they not try to pull that off? And how in the world would they go to do that? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how we start. I mean, that's, that's, that is exactly how we started. It's like, well, we've made bacon. What else can you do with this? Yeah. Belly? Or, you know, I've heard of prosciutto. Let's not do a fresh ham. Let's, you know, put it on salt and see what, what happens. There's, so let's, there's all sorts of interesting things. Yeah, so things. let's say rewind. So you have, you know, you watch this guy, you film it, and you just start watching these videos. So what year, because that was 2010. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What year did you guys really feel like, okay, now we got this? <laughs> oh, I feel like we're constantly I, learning. Yeah, but. yeah. I had a prosciutto hanging in my cellar in 2011. 
Yeah. So we started really early on with a desire to value add and the desire to say, well, look, if we're going to do this, let's go, let's push it a little bit. Yeah. And we turned the outhouse into a smoker real quick. That's right. So Andy had an outhouse on his one acre and we turned that into a cold smoker. Unused. It hadn't been used in a long, long time. Yeah. And there was no poop in there. Yeah. But yeah, people it, haven't used outhouses in like it, years. It created a spectacular chamber for cold smoking. Yeah, and we used to smoke so I mean, much. A smoke shed and an outhouse don't look that different. They're basically the exactly same yeah, one has a poop hole, the other one doesn't. That's, That's right. It. Just turn the poop hole into a smoke hole. It's That's always exactly <laughs> right. Blowing <laughs> smoke up your poop hole. Yeah. So okay, so so you were using so so. Um, you guys are operating on two different homesteads, just kind of working together, having fun, learning together. And then, so then when did you start thinking, okay, we should do this, like we should really take the dive and do this as a business or do this as a farm? Yeah. So Doug was commuting a lot to Columbus, which was not his favorite thing. I was gone about 11 hours a day <laughs> yeah. for all, all, well, the first two of my three children. And I just, I, yeah. it was not a sustainable way to be in the world. No way. So you were living, where's, so how long of a drive did you have? It was, it was, it was about exactly an hour each way, but, um, that so, doesn't so include two hours it. drive time a day. And be two hours hour drive time. Yeah. Hour lunch break and then traffic and then, you know, being yeah. asked to stay after because that's the nature of the construction world. Um, so yeah, I'd leave at five forty-five every day and I'd get home around six every day. Um, and I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. So I. So I you thought, you went to Andy and you well, said, "Hey, I got our, this idea, my, man." The big yeah, dream was. Grew. I mean, I but you were probably thinking. Day. But I mean, were you thinking too? Like, man, we just go to each other's houses all the time. And you like, know, how, the time, how, how far? How far were you guys apart? Five, five miles. Oh, so you weren't far at all. No, not out in the country. We were neighbors. What's funny is the Nick. Uh, Steck Schultz. Stay Schulte. Stay Schulte. I always mess up his name. I did too. Which it's funny because he's um, a crazy bird. Yeah, he was right out. He was, he was he, between, like, if, if I were to drive right from my own place us. to Doug's place, I drove by his place all the time. That's funny. And I remember, I think, saying something to Doug about, like, there's some guy. It's got, yeah. it's got like Tamworth pigs out here, mm-hmm. like, out of nowhere. And now they got it was free. Oh, yeah. What kind of breed of pigs do you guys raise now? Right now. Yeah, we have about a, we have a, it's a little complicated. They were a five way cross. Before we bred them with a single GOS boar. So there's some large black and some red wattle and some GOS. So they're mutt pigs. Yeah, they're uh, mutt. The heritage mutts. The heritage yeah, yeah, yeah. mutts. Yeah, we, we, we got most of our... They're not pink pigs. They're definitely no, not, pink, not pigs. pink pigs. No, they're made to be back in the woods. With yeah. Spotted yeah. and colored and all sorts of good yeah, stuff. We had them on so. pasture for a while. Uh, and they destroyed your pasture for sure. Well, they went after the pasture, but where they went after the pasture and destroyed it was under the hickory trees. Yeah. And so I thought, well, geez, why wouldn't I just move them into the woods and let them find the hickory nuts instead of trying to dig it up out of the soil? So I moved them into the woods, and they didn't do any more, any more digging. They just clean everything up. Yeah. So they've been in the woods all this year um, without any damage. Yeah. So. But you guys said you do something different, too. Um, you put the water at one end. Yeah, and correct. You put the food yeah, at yeah, the yeah, other yeah. end, so they have to run. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So I... Uh, I have the water at the very bottom of the woods. It's a long kind of a gradual slope of, uh, of hardwoods. Um, and there was a giant 
basin at the bottom that I thought, well, if I put their water here, uh, as it drips and they, and they pull from it, uh, any water collects, they can use it. You know, it's kind of a double bonus. They get the water and the wallow. Um, so they do that. Uh, but then the, the feed is way up the hill and then the paddocks that, that I've been expanding them into are far away from the water. So they have no choice but to traverse up and down the hill every single day. Um, the idea there being, uh, in addition to whatever mast they're collecting, um, and, uh, forage, uh, they're also on the, the non-GMO feed, uh, any fat that they're putting on their bodies from all of that is is being driven into intermuscular fat. So we have yeah. very marbled yeah. pork chops, to put it mildly. Yeah, that's good. It's marbled, real, it's real. A lot good. of people because Greg's Greg's are pretty marbled. The that's ones great. I got and man, like my buddy, I gave my buddy some for his wedding gift. Mm-hmm. I was I'm a real practical. That's guy. a good man. Yeah, right there. I gave him three three chickens from Greg like <laughs> that I got, and then I gave him. Uh, a pound of bacon, a pound of ground pork, and then two pork chops. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. And he was like, dude, I've never had pork that tasted like steak. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And Most people haven't had good pork. No, yeah. remember? Amazing. I mean, like, because I'm still getting used to it. Like, and I eat your guys' pork today. I'm like, was that rabbit or, you know, like, mm-hmm. no, man, that's our pork. And yeah. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that was fucking good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had some tacos before. Um, right. Yeah, man. So, uh, okay. So back to how we were, we're here yeah, we got off track yeah yeah oh no no that's what a, that's what a podcast is about though. That's it's a right. conversation guys right, it's okay. a conversation that's right so what okay so you guys are you're you're burned out i'm commuting every day I'm and just i can't burned do out. it anymore i mean i i don't i don't blame you I, I mean i had a pretty good situation for my job and i didn't have a long drive mm-hmm. but man was i relieved when i lost my job not gonna <laughs> lie so so you know i i feel you i mean mm-hmm. i can't imagine you know, driving an hour in that traffic because just even cut, getting here, uh, man, right. traffic sucked. Yep. Like, yeah, traffic sucked at a certain point. I'm like, yep. man, like it's daylight is just going away fast. Yeah, especially this time of the year. Now that time has changed, it gets real rough on yep. the on a long drive. Absolutely, but it was still nice. I mean, it's it, ah, it's so pretty, man. But um, anyways, but I mean, pretty- yeah. So we started looking for land. You know, yeah. so Doug, um. You know, we had we had had some conversations about like, well, what if what if there was a farm? Like, what if we tried to make money off of a farm? Um, because at the time, and this was four years ago now, that we actually began this conversation, I was raising pigs and hens and meat chickens and bees, and Andy was raising bees and hens and ducks rabbits. and ducks, yeah. rabbits, yeah. Uh, we, and who we, were you guys like? Who were you guys really researching the most when you were doing this? Because I know, like, I kind of get I got sucked in through urban farming first, and I I stumbled yeah. into permaculture. I know, um, you know, I got the Gene Lodge Lodge mm-hmm. Logson. Uh-huh. Yeah, I got his book, and he and him and one like he was talking about small scale farming and market gardening back in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now it's like I learned from all these dudes in Canada, so I was just like, oh, there's a guy in. Upper Sandusky yeah. three years ago, yeah, right. passed away. He was that's talking right. about it. So, like, who who were your guys' biggest mentors? You already said who your mentors and inspiration were for, you know, um, charcuterie and all, mm-hmm. and all the cool shit you guys do with with yeah. your education process. Um, so, who was like, who were you guys kind of modeling for homesteading and everything like that? Hmm. Yeah, I know that uh, 
I guess it's a little bit pre-homesteading. Uh, my wife and I had read um, Animal Vegetable Miracle by uh, Barbara King Solver. Yeah. And I don't know that I would call her a mentor or anything, but that kind of put us put us in the mode of producing our own food. And I that guess. was another thing, too, because I was like, so you guys, were you guys inspired by Joel Salatin? And you were like, nope, not at all. And I was like, man, you guys are like the first people I met that weren't from I mean, that. I think, I think on some, after we got out here, I mean, we've looked at some of his work, you know. Yeah, but you guys are already doing pigs and everything before, before that. Yeah. And like for... A lot of people that are like our age are like, oh, I saw Food, Inc. And Joel mm-hmm. Salton was, cause I watched Food, Inc. in like 2008. It was on Netflix. I'm like, right. man, who's this cool guy in Virginia just yeah, butchering these chickens outside and doing all this cool shit? I'm like, yeah. man, that guy makes a ton of sense. And then I just went back to eating bullshit food. I was, inspira- I was inspired by that documentary briefly. but Yeah, that can fizzle out real quick. Yeah, it fizzles out real quick. But I mean, that that's not the case for you guys. Like, you guys were... You guys were just doing it. Like, you were inspired by wanting to make a difference. Of yeah, for us, it had, it had way more to do with just how to be in the world. Yeah. And what people were doing and what was hip and what was cutting edge or avant garde. Like, I didn't even know about it. It just, it would have, I would have saved you a could lot say of Rodale. headaches. Yeah. The Rodale, Rodale Institute. Uh, I read the <laughs> Rodale Guide, Complete Guide to Composting. It's like an encyclopedia on composting. Uh, and that was, in and, fact, and you got that, for me. And you got that when you were in Central When America. I was in Honduras, exactly right, yeah. Okay. Um, and How did that, you get that in Honduras, by the way? Uh, again, it was the part of the OSU uh, ag, ag Oh, yeah, those guys were like, visit our orf- Yeah, yeah. And I, I read it cover to cover, and I just realized, my goodness, all we have to do is participate in this biological cycle in ways that make us look like stewards instead of users. Yeah. And there can be uh, fertility and abundance that results. And, um, yeah, that, that coupled with, with some uh, kind of personal spiritual convictions and uh, desire to be a part of a change uh, instead of just complain about it. Um, right. It gets yeah, to a point to where it's like, when I stop talking about it and start yeah, thinking about absolutely. it, yeah, you have to make absolutely that, yeah. make that jump. Yeah. So when I when I put a pig pen in my in my woods, um, that was before. I mean, literally years before I knew of anybody doing forest raised pork, and not that what I was doing was forest raised pork. You probably just are like, I, it was I just a practical place to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Right. it was a practical place to do it, and I was reading. Uh, what's the Encyclopedia of Country Living? What's Country her name? Wisdom or something? Um, no. Carla Emery, uh, Encyclopedia of Country Living. Yeah, because I didn't have internet where we lived, and I didn't have a smartphone, or we'd had no connectivity. You still don't even understand so what phone is. Yeah, so. I'm I'm a little behind the Bloody. curve there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's holding in front of his face right now. That's right. Yeah, yeah this microphone is kind of creeping me out. Um, you say, is this giving me cancer? Kind of waves the radio waves from his. <laughs> No, so uh, yeah, I, I, it's corny, but the first time I butchered a, a chicken, uh, I had someone reading out of an encyclopedia of country that's, living to me. That's not really uh, corny. I think that's what I mean. Going to a library, I mean, I mean, that's better than probably what people had back in the day when nobody knew how to read. That's kind of how I saw yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, there there was no option to YouTube anything. There was no, no. option to, and, and you know, quite frankly, we were in the country. We were in rural Midwest Ohio, um, you know, Middle America. And none of our neighbors were doing anything like what we were doing anyway. They had kind of already given up, and they were, you know, collecting unemployment oh, checks. Yeah, and driving four-wheelers and things yeah, like that. Yeah, they, they just wanted to be out there kind of collecting uh, 
the 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 great Americana experience, you know, um, just kind yeah. of being independent. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's like I feel like there's two types of country. There's people like us, and then there's people that are like, well, I four wheel, I do tobacco, and yeah, I mean, and there's guns. nothing. I mean, here's the thing too. There's nothing against farmers that are that are kind of in their situations now. I mean, there's nothing against it. I mean, it's, I mean that it it's you can't really turn it off. Unfortunately, right. yeah. you can't, and it's it doesn't help anybody to say, "Well, oh, they're fucking assholes for no part of the no, problem." Of and not. it's like, no, I mean, you can't. Yeah, and most of the guy, I mean, from our experience, most of the people that are out here farming, you know, not the way we would farm. They're still they're good, good people. people. They're yeah. good people, yeah, man. But we couldn't turn to them for wisdom no. or advice. And not that <laughs> yeah. you could, but everything they would say would just, yeah. you know, for us, we can. Disregard a lot of yeah. The first farmer that. that came to this farm, <laughs> Handhewn Farm, after I told him I was going to start farrowing pigs for the first time last year, he informed me. Of course, you know you need to clip all their teeth, and of course, you know you need to. And he went on this whole litany of of things, doctor you know, tails, doctor tails, and 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 antibiotics and all kinds of medication and. Um, you know, none well, of that's those, what's weird. It was like, none uh, of those things actually yeah. have to happen. And I didn't do any of those things. That's just well, that's not like Wendell from. Berry said. It's conventional wisdom. Um, well, it is now. Right. It's probably conventional wisdom from the last 30 years, 40 right. years, but yeah. it's, that's not real. Well, con- the, the word conventional is, is actually obviously changes. <laughs> it's slippery. It's, it's if you look up the definition of it. So today it is conventional wisdom. Right. But like something Wendell Berry said, like I was actually, you guys turned me on to Wendell Berry and uh, I was listening to this, I got this audible of it and he was, it was like some interview and he was saying how, yeah, somehow they convinced farmers to uh, trade in their free dependence on the sun to a paid for dependence on oil. Right. Yeah. And that's, and it's, um, and then even then you look at animal husband and it's, and I, and I get it. Like it's, uh. You get stuck. You get trapped. I mean, once you, I don't like. I don't envy most farmers because there's most modern farmers because there's they're just so much trapped in debt. Like oh they're, I mean, as Gene points out in that book, The Contrary Farmer, that I got from you guys. Um, you know, I mean, you 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 basically are, are paying to finance for your equipment, or yeah, it's a your huge debt cycle, or yeah, or if uh, if you're raising the pigs where you do have to clip their teeth because they're not raised in a natural environment. Then, you know, you, you have to pay for your infrastructure, your thermometers and all that shit. I mean, there's a really good movie. I had the guy in the podcast, Graham Merriweather. It's called uh, American meat. Mm-hmm. And he, he was like, it's, it's on Amazon. Like it's not even on, you'd have to pay for it, but it's, it's worth it. It's a good, it's a good flick. Um, I'll see if I can share it with you guys somehow. Um, but, uh, something like, Graham does this great job of showing the difference between like, so he was the first to kind of start filming with Joel, like, cause he read Omnivore's Dilemma. He's like okay. Joel South and just stood out in this book. And he's like, I gotta go down there and meet right. this guy. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to make a film and like, all this other shit. And the Graham's a, Graham's a cool guy. He lives in New York city, but he's originally from Michigan, but he's trying to, I think he's trying to move out. And, uh, but something like he does this great job of showing what conventional farming is. And then what organic meat is, which it's not that much better. And yeah. then like what Joel Salton does or what you guys do. Yeah. And it's, and it just like, if, when you actually see the chain of everything, like it just blows your mind. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it just does. So 
yeah, if you raise pigs in an environment that's not natural, then they're going to say, oh, yeah, if you want them to breed, you got to clip them teeth because yeah. they're going to try to kill each other because they're fucking all miserable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, there's a reason they call them factory farms. I mean, they treat the animals like machinery in a factory, you know? So well, there's a high level of efficiency there. He, he kind of he starts putting animals back into the environment and and he makes the animals and the people deal with the ecological environment. So um, it's better for everyone involved. It creates better food. It's better for the farmer. It's better for the animal. Um, but, I so, mean, you you guys do that too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's, yeah. Um, but people are drawn to that. I mean, yeah. because it's it so makes rare. Sense. Yeah, and it it's, makes sense. And when yeah. people see it, they're like, why doesn't it happen like this everywhere? Yeah. So We had... Uh, we had some some good people out here uh, about a month and a half ago from uh, the Soil and Water Conservation District. My, natural Resources. Yeah, thank you. NRCS, NRCS yeah. the Natural Resource, Resource Conservation Resource. Services. Yeah. Uh, and they were out here, and, and their bag, they're kind of the, the, the white hats of the Farm Bureau, as it were. Um, they're the they, ones nobody knows about. <laughs> yeah, they want to make sure that there are grazing they, practices. They, really do they want to make work, sure that yeah. there's, you know, the the erosion, um, the the tillable, everything is in balance. They they want to make sure that you understand like resources are valuable and they're also uh, they can be destroyed with with uh, hasty practices. And they want to come alongside and and educate and empower and equip. And they came out here, and, and I was a little hesitant at first because I assumed that I was going to get a Because you don't like dealing with the bureaucracy like most yeah, people no, do. Well, do. Part, part, of it yeah. is, part of it is that, but I, I was a little just leery that I was going to get a couple old school farmers in the woods with my pigs and just just rake me over the coals. Well, also, about, too, like you love your pigs, and it's like, who am I exposing them to? Part of that, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's well, a weird the, thing to the, think about. That's it's a kind of a sacred. It's kind of a sacred place. Yeah. When I take people back to the to the pigs in the woods, I, I don't. I mean, it's not that I don't welcome scrutiny, um, but I want people to value and appreciate what's happening there. And I did not trust that that was going to happen in this context. Yeah. And instead, I was warmly surprised. I could not believe it. Uh, in fact, they they said repeatedly, "This is this is one of the coolest things I've seen." Period. That's in really. In fact, rewarding. one of the guys, the kind of the senior, the senior guy among them, and you he, say, "Well, he, buy some pork. I got he, some in the." <laughs> he suggested that the next time they have a, an NRCS uh, pasture meeting, that they meet in my woods, yeah, where the pigs are. Yeah, they don't really have a. Uh, woods raised pork that's, that's right no, so most I, people I, would frown upon that, that. Yeah. And, I, and i asked him point blank i said how many times have you seen this type of an operation how many times have you been to a farm and seen pigs in a hardwood forest um and of course the answer was no and these guys were they they know about mark shepherd they know about joel south and these guys were you know, kind of the cutting but edge they, of the. But they haven't been there. No, because there aren't that many yeah, doing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's that's part of that's part of what but we want to do is but to it's cool that people. there are people doing it in Ohio. Yeah, well, well, we, well that Ohio's, they appreciated it was really shocking to us. Ohio is one of the best places to do it. I mean, yeah, because of our we've got this spectacular stand of hardwoods. It's just dropping food from the sky. Who yeah. would, who would not want to have a pig raised on hickory and chestnut? 
Yeah, no, it's funny because you were talking about conventional, you know. Uh, I read a book, was it The Humble Beast? Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. the history of pigs. Yeah. Um, and there was a time, in, I think it was in uh, France, maybe, or England, where they used to measure woodlots by how many pigs it could sustain. That's, that's right. awesome. So there would be like the stand of woods, and they'd say, well, that's, you know, that's good for 20 pigs. That's a 20-pig lot. And that's kind of how they would how they would decide properties in some cases was by how many pigs a forest could hold and sustain. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that was conventional then, you know, but now it's definitely gone the other way. Hey, so this is kind of an off question because I was looking at Buckeyes and they look a lot like chestnuts. <laughs> are Buckeyes chestnuts? Same family. No, don't eat them. Don't feed them to your pigs. Yeah. So what are they not? They're, are they poisonous? Like what? Yeah, there is a, I think it's a tannin in there that you just don't want to eat. Your body just can't break it down. And your, and your pigs can't eat it. And either. your pigs wouldn't want to eat them either. It's not that they can't, they just wouldn't want to. I was going to say, they probably they're, just wouldn't eat them. Yeah, they wouldn't want to. So there's yeah, a couple they're, different... There's they're a lot smarter than humans yeah. <laughs> when it comes to how they, how they Even feed among themselves. the hickories back there, they, we, we have a, a, a just a ton of shagbark hickories. Um, and if you've never had a shagbark hickory, hickory... Uh, it's delicious. It tastes just like a walnut or a pecan. It's wonderful. Uh, but there's another hickory. It has a, a tighter bark, uh, not as shaggy. It looks a little bit more like an ash, uh, the bark does. But the it's actually a pig nut hickory, um, so-called because the the hickory nut, the meat of the nut is is you know supposedly so bitter it's only fit for pigs. Well, I've never actually eaten one. But I can tell you that my pigs have because there's a woodlot full of them. So between the shag bark and the pig nut and the acorns, um, you know, there's more mass really falling. Like acorns. Oh my gosh, there's more mass falling back there. You know, and and you know, we're on a farm that would never the Andy's grandparents they never would have imagined that a woodlot could have been farmland. You know, that's yeah. what the hayfield is. That's what the tillable is. Um, so what we're trying to do is actually kind of rewrite the script of, of what farmland can look like. I would prefer my pigs, my pigs be in the woods and on, on pasture. Oh, for sure. They're not, unless they're American guinea hogs. That's right. Mm-hmm. Or there's one. Cooney Coonies. Yeah. Cooney yeah, Coonies. Cooney Cooney they're the only ones that like won't totally destroy. I mean, like, uh, I was just at Justin Hunt's and, uh, he was, he was there. He's one of the guys yeah. that makes me, he's a good dude. Uh, shout out Justin Hunt. Anyways, um, <laughs> so he was running like he's homesteading. He's got like he's got uh, I think he's got f- three guinea hogs and one large black. It's mixed with a guinea hog. Oh my! Hmm. I, I'm trying to, to think. I, it's not 100. percent I could be full of shit there, mm-hmm. Doug. So he'll 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 send you a picture. Yeah. I'm sure, Andy. All right. Um, but he had like it's it's pretty much a marsh, and like especially in like the springtime when we get a bunch of rain, like. He like has flags up to where the water goes. So there's like all these uh, kind of like wild rose bushes and stuff. I mean, just really thorny stuff. But like multiple rose. rose. Yeah, and he just runs the pigs through him. The pigs love it. Like yeah. the pigs are just going to town, and now there's a walkway. He's like, yeah, to take my my riding lawnmower back and forth through. Yeah, there it's a to great way to manage scrubland for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So, but if you have a nice pasture and you took a tame or a large black and Oh, they just roll it over. They would, yeah. yeah. They would I mean, just, some people claim that they can get uh, pigs to to graze, you know, most of their diet. But from our experience, the the woods is far superior. I, I have one buddy in uh, Washington, he de, or Oregon, 
One of the two. He's up there. This kid, Nick Hazleton, he's a he's a, he's pretty cool. He's only like 17, and he's a yak farmer, but he has guinea hogs, too. Wow. And uh, his guinea hogs, he said, pretty much just eat grass. He hmm. doesn't even That's cool. Yeah. yeah, but I think they have a... But, I mean, I think guinea hogs may be an exception. Yeah, and they grow slower. I mean, and like they're the coonies, they grow, they don't get that big, and they yeah, grow they're slower. Yeah, they're not. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a fatty hog. But I heard guinea hogs are actually really good for charcuterie and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, if you get a good fatty hog and, and you know, it's got a nice carcass with good, you know, inter, intermuscular fat development, absolutely it's good. Yeah, any, any. I mean, it's really hard. It's, it's really hard, hard for to me to believe. Big. Yeah, unless you get some <laughs> just factory hog that's just yeah. eating a bunch of crap its whole life and never run around, that it's not going to make a really good uh, candidate for charcuterie. Absolutely. Um, okay. Going back, we had a nice diversion there. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for land. Oh, yeah. Geez, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we, you know, we had kept our eye out for auctions and looked at land not far from where we were living, you know, and, and neither one of us are wealthy by any means. So they well, were all are, kind of inaccessible to you us. You are that's, a teacher. Most that's people true. know teachers I don't. I am overpaid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but nothing was, you know, nothing worked. Uh, there were a lot of places that would have been great, but um, they, just, they just weren't what we wanted. And uh, part of that happened to coincide our our search for land uh, or desire for it coincided with the Utica and Marcella shale oil boom. So land that was twenty five hundred dollars an acre in two thousand eight or nine was going for five or six thousand dollars an acre in two thousand. Yeah, I totally forgot. And about you couldn't get mineral rights and with you it. Get mineral so rights. They could so they yeah, there was this there was this this terrible like coalescence of forces that were just saying you guys are not going to make this happen. That's it. That's it. Yeah, man, that's a shitty thing. But at the same time, it like it's weird, man. The whole. I mean, that's a whole other podcast to talk about, yeah. like, our dependency on oil. And, you know, shale, shale did help out the state quite a bit. But at the same time, it's like, well, what are we doing to our state? Yep. But, yeah. I mean, I know it made my one buddy's family fucking rich. Like, his sister had land, and she got fucking paid from that. And Yeah. I, man, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough ethical, moral question. But... Yeah, I mean... Because your family's taken care of for life. Yeah financially right but then it's like okay well what about this land like Wendelberry yeah. has a few land things good? to say about that drew <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wendelberry does have a few things to say about that but a, a hard ethical decision for wendell i don't think it is but i think for the average human being that's a yeah. very hard ethical so even if they're like good people mm-hmm. i mean but they don't they don't necessarily understand they're they're not going to look at the land the same way we do right like you know what i mean and it doesn't make them bad people it just makes sure. them different yeah uh, but anyway so the the, the shale boom's going on mm-hmm. yeah Can't get some, mineral at rights. some point it came up i don't i remember having the conversation with my wife about well my grandmother is sitting on 300 and some odd acres uh an hour from here from where we were i said we could talk to my family and see if that's a doable thing um we knew we couldn't. We knew we would have to like build a house or something out here because my grandma was still here and there was nowhere to live. And at the time, my aunt was up on the hill where we're living now. Um, but we thought, well, let's uh, put together some some ideas on how we could use grandma's land because she was just renting it to a corn and soybean farmer. I'm sure grandma would be way more happy having Andy there. 
Yeah, well, it's it's been a process. I don't um when we first brought it up to my family, uh they were really supportive. But they weren't I mean, they don't they never saw me as a farmer, you know, I've always been a teacher so. or an artist probably. Right. So when it came up they're like, "Well, you know, you've been doing the little homestead thing and that's cute, but well, they've could you seen really farm? farmers fail, and that's the that's, thing. Yeah, they yeah. they've seen because they were a part of the the go go big or go home generation. And yeah, they yeah. watched they watched the bust happen, and so the idea of of Andy just kind of stepping in and saying, "Yeah, I'll give it a try," um, even though they were supportive, I think there was a lot of trepidation. Yeah, and it, at the time we proposed it, there were there were four families involved. You know, it was, it was beyond just Doug's family and mine. So there's uh, there's two other families that were gonna, yeah, gonna make yeah, it. Yeah, we were we were in talks with another family from Columbus, and we were trying to figure out like they were going to do a project here and how we could meld those the two projects that we were working on. Um, and that didn't end up working out, but it it created a lot of really interesting conversations for how we were going to move forward on this farm. Well, also, I bet it also put a picture in your head about what you were willing to do to make this happen. Yeah, for sure. Which is even like more rewarding in a sense that yeah, I do that. I guess yeah, I, I'll I'll make I'll make this sacrifice, which yeah. you guys did make a pretty fucking big sacrifice, <laughs> which I'm sure you're about to get to here. Yeah, uh, Doug's wife Molly. It was at the time uh, practicing to be a midwife. You know, attending births at people's homes and. Um, and when Doug sold his house, his wife, Molly, I mean, he could tell you this, I guess, but she went out to Idaho. He went out there for a while and then came back here. He had quit his job and he just started getting stuff ready here on the farm while living in an old chicken coop. Did you have the kids living in a chicken coop with you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were out in Idaho. I came back. I brought the boys back with me, uh, and, and. Thank goodness, uh, my in-laws took the boys for three weeks down to South Carolina. I was living in a tent in the straw shed at the time, and I had three weeks to just be here and get get some shit done. So I took the chicken coop. Those carpenter skills came in pretty. That's pretty exactly handy. what happened. Yeah, I took the chicken coop, which was uh, Andy's granddad's wood shop, and I cleaned all of the all the materials and and equipment out of it, and I turned it into a little. Uh, one room, like 500 square foot uh, studio space um, that my wife and family moved into when they returned. Uh, my wife was pregnant at the time, so we spent uh, all of 2015 in that shed. Uh, we call it the shed now. We, we, we've kind of um, graduated from chicken coop. Yeah, until right about this time last year. Yeah, this time last year. Yeah, so we moved out of that shed, which had no plumbing. There was an outhouse behind it, which I uh, kind of rebuilt and dug out the outhouse pit for so it could be our, our bathroom. Um, we were there. What did you in, guys do for showers? Indefinitely. Good question. Um, uh, Grandma. Uh, You're like, well, they didn't happen. Yeah, Andy's <laughs> not, real not, not often. Yeah, Andy's grandmother offered a a shower in the basement to us if we if we entered through the cellar door. Uh, but I took more than a few showers uh, by by summer uh, thunderstorm and a bar of soap just out in the darkness and a lightning storm trying to 
We had a good spring knock, for that. that knock year. the stink off of me. Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of rain that year, so it helped. Were you living in the chicken coop too? No, back here in the back of this building that we're in right now, there's a camper that we lived in um, until about this time. So we came out July of 2015, um, and I actually got a job in the district teaching yeah. here about the same time. So I actually was able to switch jobs so I could be closer. We moved out into the camper and. And then my aunt, just up on the hill, uh, decided she would sell her house to us. So right before Thanksgiving, I think, was, last year, we moved exactly into the house. exactly a year ago this week. Yeah. So that really was helpful because we didn't really have the time or funds at, the, at that point to, to start building houses. Um, yeah. So having a house that we could all live in was so now you guys really important. have a mini commune. That's right. In yeah. the house. But you guys are making it work. That's what's cool. I mean, you guys, I mean, everyone seemed, I mean, maybe they're all in their best behavior, but everyone seemed pretty pretty happy when I was there. Yeah, everyone, we all have Everyone likes space. tacos. Everyone likes tacos. Yeah, it was taco helps. night. Everyone was happy. Yeah, but you all, I mean, it, it's interesting. I mean, as long as, it's kind of like back when you were an RA and everyone's in these tight, I was an RA in college. All right. Where'd you go? I went to the University of Toledo. Okay. Went to, it, was before, it was when it was still pretty hood. Go mud hens. <laughs> People used to get robbed going to the out and stuff. But anyways, that's a different <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, man. So I remember we used to do roommate contracts. And everyone was like, yeah, do a roommate contracts because it's going to make your wife life so much easier because you get a copy and they get a copy. If someone's not adhering to the contract, then you're like, well, you signed this. Right. Got to hold you them to something. You agree to it. And it's... um. And yeah, it's it's like uh it's an interesting thing, you know, whenever you go into business with friends or in arrangement with friends where you have to be around other people all around like all the time. Like you have to have understandings of okay, well we'll get the space this time or everything like that. But it looks like I mean, all the kids get along and I think that would be the biggest thing. Is if like kids didn't get along, I think that would make everybody miserable. Yeah. And again, they, they have different spot like different spaces. They can you know, my kids can go upstairs. If, so you're trying to say they really don't like each other? No, they love each other. But like <laughs> anything, like yeah, yeah. Well, I like Doug, but I don't want to be around him 24 seven. Yeah, know? yeah. It's good to get away from him for a while. Yeah, and I'm sure it's good for him to get away from me. <laughs> so, so you guys do um, pork? You do chicken? Um, you have eggs and rabbit. Rabbit. So how do you guys um, how do you guys move most of your product at this point? Uh, we, during the season, we went to a farmer's market in Newark, the Canal Market District, which is a new farmer's market there in Newark. Uh, we went to one in Coshocton on Saturdays. We go to a chiropractor in Columbus, Revive Chiropractic. And he's, and he actually sells, hooks you guys up for you. We kind of have like a mini market in his practice. He lets us set up uh, a booth right there on a Saturday morning. So he's awesome. Yeah. He's really supportive. Um, I mean, he's basically adjusting people and telling them to buy a product from us. He, he wants. <laughs> but I mean, he wants it to be his whole. His whole practice is a holistic one, so he's yeah. no, he has no interest in just adjusting well, your spine and sending you home. If people aren't eating good food, they're not going to be healthy. That's exactly right? right. I mean, that's it. Like, it starts with food. I mean, that's that's um, yeah. that's it, man. Mm-hmm. And we make so. some deliveries to Cleveland and Columbus. Um, we also sell at a couple local food stores. There's one in Coshocton called Local Bounty. We have product in, and then there's one in Mount Vernon called The Harvest of the Woodward where we sell rabbit and chicken. That's pretty cool. So we have a few outlets. And then our our, fl- our kind of flagship is our, our whole and half pig um, 
deals where if if someone wants to buy half of a pig or a whole pig, uh, they come out to the farm uh, and we offer the opportunity for them to, to butcher it to with have you. a butcher workshop yep. here here. Well, not butcher. Sorry, educational. That's exactly yeah, right. we That's show exactly them how to. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We and, it, we and they are, the we're only process. using the word butcher. Because it's it's a word people are familiar with, right? But mm-hmm. that's not actually what they're doing. They're educating. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's a it's a really amazing experience for people that have never been a part of that. Like, oh, we put sure. a half or a whole pig in front of them, and you know they don't know where to begin. So, um, even if we were doing other cutting, which we're not, um, it would still be educational for them because it's yeah. something people don't see. Working up animals. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, so a, a lot of folks, it up. Yeah. a lot of folks don't even know, you know, where all, like anatomically where bacon comes, comes from, where the where... chops come from. Everyone, well, I shouldn't say that. Most people know that ham comes from the hind quarter, mm-hmm. um, but if you start using a little bit more sophisticated language or Latin or Italian, uh, people have absolutely no idea where those cuts come from. Um, and, you know, that's that's to our detriment. You know, we really ought to yeah. know because, you know, as we walk people through that workshop experience, we explain to people that, you know, depending on where that cut of meat is from on the animal, it should drive the culinary uh, direction that you're going to go with it. So uh, a loin is going to cook very different than a hock and a shoulder is going to cook very different than a belly and a belly is going to cook very different than a, a ham etc. So we, we tell people, um, you know, uh, as, as we, as we walked into the process, um, they have questions like, what is this? How can I use this? What, what does this mean? Um, and there's, there's a good video on Facebook somewhere. Someone posted at the event of me grilling you guys about (laughs) what you were doing. And Oh yeah. Yeah. It it was like, it was Uh, Shane, I think put that. Yeah. Shane put that up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to find that again. That was really good. Like I was like, Oh man, I wish I was recording a podcast then. Yeah. I was was, just like in the moment. Okay. What is this? What is this? Like it was was funny. We were kind of taken aback by, because usually we do that when the, when the pig's on the table, usually we don't do that when it's hanging. Um, yeah, but it was kind of a neat experience for people. Well, because I wanted to know, like, okay, what the fuck are you guys doing? Right. Yeah, and, like that's what I want to know because I'm like, I'm trying to learn here. Mm-hmm. And then like everyone like started crowding around. I was yeah. like, this is weird. I'm just asking questions, guys. No, they were good questions too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a podcaster, guys. I mean, that's yeah, I'm just <laughs> used to it. <laughs> no, man, that's great. So, um, so if people want to, oh, okay, no, let's plug this too. So you guys also do workshops. Yep, um, on, on other people's farms. Yeah, and because just because all my listeners, I'd like to think they're all in Ohio, but uh, <laughs> they're not. So we're all. I mean, so if people, I mean, I know Bills is sold out. He uh, would. He might take more people if they signed up. Yeah, Bill Vion, Reformation Acres. Right. Yeah. So if people wanted to, is there a, like, do you guys have a website where people can look? to see where your workshops are so people can come and, and, and if they want to participate somewhere in, somewhere else around the country. Yes. Yeah, on our website, uh, handhewnfarm.com. Okay, uh, and, wh- and real quick, where did that name come from? That's a really cool name. How did you guys come well, up with that? If you would have come when it was light out, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we would have walked you through this. You know, I'll come another time, I promise. 130, 140-year-old barn yeah. just over here. Um. You know, all the all the beams are hand-hewn from trees that were felled right here. Uh, and it, you know, it speaks to the work that people put into this place. And we kind of want to give a nod to, to them while also saying, you know, we're going to put in this work. 
Um, and there's a certain level of craftsmanship that we take pride in with yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, so, I think that's in, that's important, man. Craft. And people don't hand hew barns anymore, and a lot of our farming practices are not done anymore. So a lot of it is just kind of the the, res- the resurrection. Walk-in cooler. <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely wooden. It's yeah. pretty rad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of our practices are are kind of not just a nod to, um, but the the reappropriation of old skills and trades and traditions that have just kind of slipped away. We live in Amish country and we are surrounded by young Amish men our age that find out what we're doing and say, oh man, that's awesome. My dad or my granddad used to do that, but we don't do it like that anymore. How do they do it now? They usually they, skin their pigs. They either skin it or they send it to the processor. It used to be a family tradition. It used to be an annual yeah, festivity and it's not done Amish like are pretty, that pretty uh, intense business people, which a lot of people don't know. Right. They, yeah, I mean, and, they really and, are. And there's a, and, and, there's and, and, a high level of efficiency there too. Like, really why is. would I spend my time and, and hours and weekend doing this when I could be doing this thing instead? Yeah, and this really great butcher shop is right down the road. You is, know? It, is Baltic Baltic yeah, Meats? Bal- that's is, where I got just around the corner, really and they yeah, do like fantastic work. Yeah, they do good. All of yeah. our retail cuts are done there, so we yeah. we love their work, but Honestly, we would never want to just forego what we do for just what they do we want it to be a both and not an either or absolutely yeah i 100% agree um well that's great so uh so go to handhewnfarm.com yep there's an events link that you can click on that has our upcoming stuff excellent and so if people wanted to contact you to book your your educational services yes you could you could email either one of us it's just andy at handhewnfarm dot com or Doug at handhewnfarm.com. Doug won't respond because he doesn't know how to use a computer. Well, no, you could write him a letter. We could, yeah, yeah could tell so people about we our have mailing carrier address. pigeons. Do you want? Do you want people to? Do you have a PO box? It's better to just email Andy. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to be honest here. <laughs> yeah. I don't want people to think I'm neglecting them by not re- responding. Yeah, Hashtag we, Doug does exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have bills coming up in December, and then we have another a little. It'll be a pretty great one up near Mansfield, uh, Joe Green. Oh, I know Joe, yeah. yeah. So we're doing one at his place. I like Joe. Yeah, I got he, uh, He's a listener of the show. I think they're still accepting uh, congregants. Yeah. yeah. We yeah, actually like, haven't like, publicized I, his very much yet. I've been meaning to get up to Joe's. He's invited me up a few times, and uh, I haven't been up to Youngstown. I told him next time I go to my mom's in Youngstown, I was going to stop through. There's a lot of cool people in Ohio, man. But he's not a Youngstown. Are we talking about the same guy? <laughs> yeah, he's in Mansfield. Okay. But I, I drove I through Mansfield go way, to go right? to... Oh, right. Got it. Okay. You know, it's 70, yeah. then you go to 76. Yeah. Go through Akron. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so we're doing one of his <laughs> place in January. Um, which should be pretty great. We have uh, a, we have a couple private ones that we're doing, um, yeah. And yeah. one in in Gambier, and then one up near um, Norwalk Norwalk area. Yeah, we um, might be doing. Well, we're, we're going to do one here on our own farm, kind of like the whole thing, like where we kill the pig and and do the whole deal here uh, for people to attend and see how we do it for our own you know own families. Well, great, great guys. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's. I'm glad I got to do this. I'm sure I'm going to have you guys on again sometime, and I'm sure I'm going to hopefully come out here when it's light outside. Now yeah. that I'm gamefully unemployed, we'll um, have to have you come out to one of our workshops. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, That'd you were cool. at Greg's too, but 
I was They're all yeah. a little bit different. Yeah, no, I'd like to maybe I'll maybe I'll see if I can get to Joe's or something. So we'll figure that out. It's gonna be, be cold. Super dope. Yeah. It's well, be it's cold. better when it's cold. Yeah, it's Is better it? when it's cold, yeah, because that hot apple cider, hot cocoa or yeah. wassail or rum and whatever. <laughs> uh, Makes you feel a little more alive. Yeah, it warms you right up. But yeah, he he's got a really great setup. He knows exactly where the pig's gonna hang, he knows exactly where we're gonna butcher the pigs. It'll be chilly, but it won't be freezing cold. He's gonna he's gonna make sure we're set up. That's good. Well, awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I hope you guys, uh, uh, you can friend, can people friend you on Facebook, Andy? Is that okay? You wanna, yeah. You want to put that out there? What's yeah. your last name, Andy? Lane. Landy. Andrew Lane. Andrew Lane. Yeah. So, because when I call you Andy, I don't think of, and I see right. Andrew Lane, like in my Andrew the Lane, brain, yeah. the way it processes. And on stuff. Instagram, and Hantune Farm is on Instagram and Facebook. And people can like, yeah, like their pages as well. Yep. Anyways, guys, thanks again for tuning in. Um, yeah, let's give a shout the podcast sponsors. We're not really sponsors, but anyways, <laughs> shout out to uh, Nature's Image Farm. That's Greg yes, Burns' farm. Burns. Uh, he sold out of everything, so... He's just my friend, and he thinks it's cool for me to talk about his farm on the podcast. So I that did. is cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so he is selling comfrey, Bocking 4 and 14. Go to newfarmsupply.com. Grant Schultz doesn't have a lot of shit right now. Hopefully he will again soon, but use code word sample and get mm -hmm. tree grafters. Tree grafting season's almost yeah. there. You get 20% off everything and free shipping. Um, and then... ProfitableUrbanFarming.com. If you guys click on the link in the show notes, the first one, first picture gives you $100 off. The second one is just the payment plan. And you can join the crazy Profitable Urban Farming community. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And uh, bring you another episode here soon.